0: Welcome to my podcast where I talk about all things related to money mindset, finance, business and investing. My name is Royston Camperbache, qualified accountant with over 30 years experience in finance and business. Okay, so welcome to the next episode of the Financial Intelligence Mindset podcast and we are bringing you a range of uh, different guests from different industries, different businesses and different locations as well. And We've got Sean and Simon with us today and he's an and Dallas, Texas, originally from uh, Oklahoma, and he he's in a software business, right? So his company is called Service Ganja, and he provides actually, um, well, I mean, he tells all, all about his business and what he does. So, Sean, welcome to you. And Sean, tell us about maybe your backstory. I mean, growing up, were you always someone who wanted to do your own business or is this something you stumbled on? I mean, what made you sort of become a business owner?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, I've always been someone that's always, you know, starting businesses. I was always a guy, the kid in the neighborhood, you know, that was was hustling, right? Um, And no one really taught me, uh, but I grew up around a family of entrepreneurs. Right, you know, my dad had his own business, my uncle's, grandfathers, so it was something I saw. Um, you know, so it was natural for me, right? You know, no one really taught me, but um, you know, no one taught me when I was a kid to, hey, um, you know, if you if you buy the candy from the store and sell it at the school, it would be cheaper than the kids going to the corner store, right? <laughs> you know, so no one taught me that. I just understood. Um, you know, no one, you know, was, hey, you know, let's gather up all the kids. Let's try to cut as much grass as we can and we don't have enough lawnmowers. What we would do is we'll lease the lawnmowers from some of the the people that we were cutting the grass and give them a discount. You know, no one taught me those things. It was just natural as a kid. Um, And as I continue to grow older, um, it just developed, right? So, you know, I, I would like to say, you know, I was a natural, a natural entrepreneur, even before I knew, you know, what an
0: entrepreneur was. I got it. I got it. I got it. So in terms of thinking about you growing up and hustling and learning things, all that kind of stuff, I mean, I guess, I mean, at, at what age did you, like, start off your first business?
1: Oh, man. Um, the, the very first time I remember, you know, unofficially business, I would say, man, I was probably in elementary school. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah I, can, I can go all the way back, you know, that third, you know, second, third grade. You know, yeah. as I was saying, you know, we all would go to the store, you know, the corner store. I, you know, Laffy Taffy's for, you know, X amount of dollars or, you know, X amount of cents. And I was, hey, man, you know, instead of Having everyone walk, you know, to the store, I can buy them from the dollar store on the on the other corner, and just take them to the school, <laughs> and maybe sell them for more because we don't have to walk. <laughs> you know,
0: so that's I would say as far back as that's elementary good. school. Right? That's, good. that's great. That's <laughs> great. I you know. I love to hear a story like that. You know, in terms of as a natural entrepreneur, you know, I think, um, and it's actually my story. I started off at the age of around probably eight or around ten um mm. we, we used to make um confectionaries like fudge and sugar cakes and stuff right. actually where you physically go and pick up the coconut and you oh, okay. break, break them grate them you make the fudge and sugar cake, obviously with sugar and you bring them and sell them at school you know so kind of that that was where i started off and then i grew up around my um my stepdad who had a farm and all that kind of stuff so i started off at right. age 10 all right so thinking about it um if you if you were going to speak to your younger brother, if you have one, or or your, or your younger self, think thinking about business. I mean, what are some of the early lessons you learned? That if there was anyone starting off in business, say age ten, age fifteen, what are some of the things that they should really uh, do from the outset to get to to probably yeah to make a big impact?
1: Um, you know, I would say while doing it and not to be afraid of the no's, right? That's probably the biggest thing, you know, for early entrepreneurs, you know, whether you're selling or whether you're, you know, trying to gather something up. um, It's not to be, deterred from someone telling you no. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of people that's wanting to start, um, you know, get knocked down, you know, from, you know, their journey because they heard a lot of no's at the beginning, right? But, you know, as you continue to go and as things continue to develop, um, you know, you get better and you start hearing more. Uh, but the nose is still there. So, but that was that was something I would you know tell young entrepreneurs um, or even you know for myself you know early on is is not to be afraid you know of those early nose and really you know attack it.
0: I like it. I like it. So now, now we're talking about this what it takes to have a successful mindset, right? Whether you're young, whether right. you're old, whether you're middle aged you're going into business, you've got to be kind of I got a bit of a fearless mentality, right? I mean, like when right. you listen when you listen to people like like Les Brown and how he started off, I think he's talking about whatever whatever, whatever he was selling door to door, you know. What I mean, he was just getting nose after nose after nose, you know what I mean? And right. then some somebody eventually say, Yes, I'm gonna buy it, you know what I mean? Right. So right. I, I I I think you're right, you know. Um, so yeah, so so you, you have to have that kind of a fearless um uh, mentality. So thinking back, I mean, in terms of like I'm um, like did you then go and do any courses to learn how to do a business? I mean, at some point in your, in, in your journey, um, what, what was it a point where you think, wow, well, I've been doing things for a while. Now I want to do it on a bigger scale. Like, so did you like decide to go and learn about business or did you just keep learning from books or following mentors? I mean, how did you kind of learn more of the formality of a business?
1: You no, know, I, never, I, I never really got, you know, formal in, into my learning, you know, probably until recent. Um, you know, where things, um, you know, really kind of taken off and there's different levels, you know, to where I'm playing now in the game. Mm -mm. Um, But early on, you know, it it wasn't a lot of books, you know, like I said, I grew up, I grew up around entrepreneurs, a lot of around a lot of business owners, um, you know, so I would just be around them all the time, right, you know, watching them how they do business, seeing them interact. Um, And it naturally, I just got better, you know, as I continue to move forward and, and through college, um you know which university and um you know that was probably with the university it's probably my first my first official business on the books you know tax paying business um and you know just really trial and error right and then you know as we move forward you know you grab mentors you know and I get into the software side of business you know mentors you know approach you advisors advisors approach you um and you grow and you learn you know different things that are intricate within business um that are required you know to be successful um within business but but also you know, I, I I spend a lot of time doing, um, you know, I think that's probably that's the best tool um, is really doing because um, you really understand you really learn from the things that you don't do well um, that you can improve off of. Right. So, you know, I, I do think books and I do think courses are great. Um, but, you know, applying those books and applying those courses is the real, um, you know, learning and the real uh, engagement that, that you're going to seek, you know, from that.
0: I love it. I love it. I, I love what you said, man. And, um, yeah, even when I, am, um, you know, listening to people and listening to, you know, a lot of people like, even like Tony Robbins, you might say model success, you know what I mean? Um, the best way to be successful is to find someone who's successful, who is doing what you would like to do and model them. So it sounds right. to me like, um, you had people who you modeled, you watched, you learned from them. And that, that to its, to its extent is probably greater than, um, than, than reading it, than reading a book, because obviously, um, I even heard someone say recently, actually, even if you read a book, implement it and give the book away. You know what I mean? Right. Just, exactly. Don't, don't just keep the book because because like, you're keeping the book <laughs> sake. you know, read read it, implement it and give it away. So I quite like that. Right. So you, I think you mentioned that you, you you went to college and university. So what did you actually study at university? And um, was it applicable to what say, your business that, that you did after or? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I studied public relations in college. Um, yeah. I mean, and it was just, you know, I, honestly, it was something that was just there because I went to college uh, on an athletic scholarship. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, just going through that process, so, hey, we you know we, we need to you need to have a major, <laughs> you know, so, OK, I, I'll pick them. <laughs> so, you know, that was the process. But um, and, you know, business, you know, I, I, obviously I was you know attracted to business, um, but I felt like I understood it. So I was like, hey, let me try to get the other side of of the business, right, which is the public relations side, the PR, the communication side. So that was my mindset behind, um, you know, selecting that major. Um, so through that process is, uh, you know, moving forward, I felt,
0: you know, PR will be something I would need down the line. Cool, 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 cool. And, uh, and you said that you did your first proper business at university. Is that correct? I did, I did. I did.
1: Yeah. So it's, uh, it's actually a, a funny story behind that. It's like I said, you know, I was there as a, a student athlete. Um, and it was, you know, it was like a moving service, right? You know, it was real low maintenance, um, you know, moving, you know, students, you know, into their dorm rooms, you know, into their homes, you know, relocating from house to house, you know, all those different things that happens on college campuses, right? You know, people are moving around all the time. Um, but because I was a student athlete, there were some different parameters that, um, you know, the NCAA governing bodies didn't agree with, right? So they actually, uh, prohibited me from, you know, operating that business shut it down so it was uh you know it's kind of an interesting thing around that which you know it kind of sour you know kind of my taste you know or you know the entire you know athletic experience which you know it's funny Roshan, a lot of people don't even know that um but you might be the first person i've that to but yeah it kind of you know sour my you know taste within you know my athletic experience you know going through college um to where it really led me to uh you know once i was out you know to really drive home and really you know take you know kind of you know this thing by storm and, and really get out and really get moving
0: cool 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 yeah man so that's so that's kind of you kind of a very interesting backstory you can say up to university and then you finish university now and then you're out in the big wide world and just tell us about that I mean I mean so how did you kind of get into kind of build up to where you are now after university like what did you do after that
1: right so you know after um you know after university i ended up moving back home um because I had some End up having a big injury in college. So I ended up moving back home, back to Tulsa, Oklahoma for a short amount of time. And around that time, this was 2012, 2013. So a lot of the internet, social media things are really kind of, you know, booming, you know, at an at a early, at an early time. Um, so the first, the first business I actually sold was right out of college. I started um, a blog, right? Back then it was real, you know, blogs were big, right? And I, yeah, like yeah. I said, I came out of communications, um, so I started a blog online and, uh, you know, I sold it, you know, really early, but it's funny, uh, because that blog that I started, the guy that bought it for me is actually really big now. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. So, <laughs> you know, I, I see it all the time. I'm like, wow, you know, he really kind of took it to another level. Um, but that was my first, you know, entry in buying and selling, you know, officially. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I was in Tulsa for a few more months and then I moved down to Dallas. Um, and that was when I, you know, got into, you know, legitimized software. Right, you know, it was really, you know, it was that. So that first business, it was a live video on-demand peer-to-peer tutoring app, right? So what what you would do is, you know, if you were a student or if you were, you know, a tutor, you know, trying to earn some extra money, you know, you would get on the, you know, your mobile device, whether it was a phone or iPad, and you know, you would, you know, connect with peers that were tutoring, you know, for income, right? And you know, I learned a lot, you know, within that time frame, you know, I learned really. The big thing is that I just wasn't ready, you know, for the software industry. I didn't know enough. Um, you know, it was a, it was a I felt it was a great concept, um, you know, even to this day, now with everything kind of going remote and all the different learning, you know, you know, things in place, um, you know, it probably, you know, it would be something that was would be really beneficial. And I see a lot of, you know, copies, a lot of things that are popping up now. But but that was my first software, software company. It was called Tugo. <laughs> and it was a live video on-demand peer-to-peer tutoring app.
0: Ah, wow. Wow. Well done. So you've transitioned into the kind of software business, which is what you're in right now. Yeah. Cause I guess Correct. service, service ganja is all about is it? I mean, talk, talk to us about service ganja. What is it? Why do you, why service ganja and kind of who do you, well, who do you provide a service to right now? Yeah. So
1: service ganja, we're a technology platform for cannabis dispensaries. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, te- we have different features such as point of sale, um, some marketing components, inventory management, um, you know, compliance, regulatory management, um, as well as developing on some different things such as within marketing, um, you know, within delivery as well. And our 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 customer base is cannabis retail locations. Um, you know, that's what we provide our software for. So, you know, you have traditional point of sale softwares, you know, and within every, every industry, you know, retail, restaurants, you know, et cetera. Um, but our our industry is
0: cannabis retail. I like it. So cannabis retail so is that I mean is, is that like the, the like the actual cannabis or is it like the you know the cbd or is it i mean the oil is it i mean i mean people who sell in what is it just talk right. to me about that you know I mean, because when people get cannabis sometimes i mean i know the benefit of cannabis and we've been speaking offline about you know um, mm-hmm. cannabis a little bit and i guess uh in some states in america i guess cannabis is probably legal to sell I would imagine so correct as, as in Canada and in Holland and in some places some places like in the UK um, where I spent many most of my years cannabis is still kind of a taboo subject um, right. as, as it is in the Caribbean in, in, interestingly um, so in where you are in Texas I'm talking is, is, is cannabis legal to buy in a, in a shop it's, it's actually interesting because it's not legal in Texas yet.
1: <laughs> right. So, um, uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's some legalities around, you know, medicinal use, um, but it's primarily CBD and hemp, you know, for Texas, um, yeah. which is a non THC, you know, cannabis, uh, body. Uh, but you know, you have various different States, Oklahoma primarily being, um, you know, one of them, right. You know, that was my entry point within the industry being from Oklahoma. Um, on, I was actually on the operator side. So, uh, Within my time, I had kind of invested, you know, kind of co-partner within a dispensary. So that was my initial introduction within the space. Oklahoma is, you know, is booming. Um, You know, the market there is crazy. It's actually probably uh, one of the more vibrant markets within the United States. Um, So on the actual operator side within the dispensary, you know, that was some of the things where, you know, we uncovered a lot of problems within the current market. Right. And me being within some. I did, you know, after to go, you know, I went into software companies, right. Cause I said, Hey, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I didn't know enough about the structure. So I started working at smaller startups to get an understanding. So while doing so, when I, you know, I got into the dispensary side as an operator and as an investor and, you know, we just start uncovering problems. And, you know, my friend and the partner that was with it, uh, he had came to me one day and he was, Hey man, why don't you, you know, you're in startup, you're in software. Why don't you build a, a software? Right. And I was like, I can't, I can't just build a, a software. You know, it's not, that's not really how it works. Right. But um, you know, naturally, right. You know, my entrepreneurial mind really started kicking in, you know, I started, you know, really start investigating the market, you know, really started investigating competitors and, you know, I was, Hey man, if if this is, if the one that we're using is the industry leader, like, man, this thing is kind of wide open. Right. You know, so you know, started doing a lot of investigation, and, you know, a lot of different parameters that were needed. Um, you know, one of them, one of them being is, which we had to learn was, um, you know, the software for cannabis dispensaries has to be specific for cannabis, right? You know, you, you know, these other traditional softwares aren't compatible within that industry. So that was kind of the one of the, the moats, you know, that was identified early. was a, Hey, you know, there's, there's po- Sales systems or the other softwares that are available, but they can't, you know, they can't play in this game. So it was like, okay, you know, this is a great Avenue. I um, mean, then you look at the future market, right. You know, you, at the time it was like 12 States that were illegal. There's 50 States in the United States it was like Hey, this, you know, it's only going to get bigger. Right. So, and also the players that were there, you know, there's, there wasn't a lot of, you know, players at the time. There's still not a lot. It was, Hey, there's a lot of market share that we can attack. And then I applied my expertise, you know, and then we just built it out and we got hit the ground, hit the ground I, running.
0: I, I love it, man. I love it. It sounds to me like you've done quite a lot of marketing research at the outset, right? To really understand, you know, the landscape of like, you know, potential customers, um, who is in the game right now and kind of position yourself, I guess, you know, in up to a point where you think well, we are early adopters of this. So potentially we can, we can have some runway on this, right? Is that correct? Correct. That is exactly right. Yeah. So how do you go? I mean, I mean, because it sounds to me like you, you you didn't study software development at school. Um, obviously you work at some startups, you said. Um, but then when, let's let's talk about the whole financial aspect of it. Because obviously this podcast, I tend to focus on business and finance because to me they're integrated. But now we're talking about right. funding funding a startup, funding a um, a software company. How do, how do you go about how do you go about funding that?
1: Yeah, so the initial funding within Service Ganja was, was myself, right? Uh, I mean, I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, acquire a lot of capital, you know, through my journey. And um, it was all bootstrapped, you know, early yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Um, and then as I, you know, continue to kind of develop out, you know, there are other angels, you know, that would approach uh, and, you know, would, would address that and end up getting, you know, some early angel funding. Uh, but not not a lot because I still, you know, still wanted to, you know, continue to move forward on our own merit. Yeah. Um, and now we're actually in our seat round right now. Right. We're getting really aggressive within our seat race, you know, and then going into our Series A, um, either, you know, probably Q2 of, of 2022.
0: Okay. I got, it, I got it. So for anybody listening to this and um, just give them a bit more meat on the bones. So you funded your business by bootstrapping. I mean, bootstrapping means obviously to use your own finances. You're someone who have been an entrepreneur across your journey. So you, you know, so you kind of built up your own cash reserves and you're able to plug it back into the business. So now you're getting ready for funding, as you said, series A, um, funding, that kind of stuff. Um, tell us a little bit more, but what does an investor look for in your business? Someone who is looking to invest in your business, obviously it's your business and investor wants to invest. What are some of the things that they, that they actually look for or they want to have in place before they invest?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it, there's different, you know, requirements or there's different um, you know visuals that they want to see at different stages, right? You know, like a C, a C stage is different than a Series A stage. But for example, where I'm at, it's primarily product, you know, that's a big term that um, you know, you're here in the early stages of your business, right? Which is, you know, how customers are adapting to your product, right? Is it something that they want? Is it something that's needed within the market? And also is it something that you can execute within the market, right? So that that's that's a huge thing, you know, for early investors. Um and also, you know, founder fit, right? You know, what type of founder is leading, you know, this company? Is this someone that you know has some um you know, preemptive success or Someone that potentially could be successful in you know leading an organization uh, to whichever you know step that they want to go within their exit, Um, and you know Series A is all about traction, right? You know what have you done? What have what have you done within the business to this point that we can essentially you know pour some gasoline on the fire and just you know allow this thing to really grow um, and to really move forward? Um, so you know, so those are some of the different things. I mean, there's different. Um, you know financial metrics um but it varies right you know right now it's an extremely hot market in terms of investing um you know you have pre-product companies that are raising dollar seed rounds right <laughs> you know that's 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 unheard of um, but right now you know its you the market is really booming um and then you know you can go into series a and we're at um, you know we're positioned you know in series a really aggressively um you know at about a 20 million dollar raise um so as we move forward um, you know we're gonna get really aggressive um, within our traction, um, within our projections, um, and also our goals, you know, that we have. We have a big goal right now, about 400 dispensaries, um, you know, to close out 2021. Um, so that's a huge goal. You know, that puts us at about 3.5 million in annual recurring revenue, right? That's that's a huge, you know, that's a huge milestone, you know, for a lot of companies, especially within our stage and from when we launched. We launched live in November 2020. So, uh, wow. you know, we're, we're moving really fast. Um, and that's a huge goal for us to be able to hit. Um, and that's something that we can hit. You know, the grass is really green for us.
0: That's really great, man. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy to hear. I'm happy to hear about that. So let's say you were talking to a customer who was, uh, I don't know, retailing ganja in the U.S., whether it's in Oklahoma, whether it's in of the states that's just got approved to dispense ganja. I mean, I mean, why should they choose your software? I mean, versus any other software. Talk to us about the features and benefits of using your software.
1: Yeah. So Service Ganja is, I would say, it's the, it's the easiest platform to use within the, within the space. You know, we're an iOS-based platform. Um, you know, our, our, our technology allows for the organization, you know, within your compliance to not be a headache. You know, the inventory management side, you know, you don't have any issues, you know, within those within those metrics, whether, um, you know, for your governing bodies on, on legalities. Um. All, you know, our marketing components that are tied within our platform, right? You know, our platform is an all-in-one platform. um, So you don't have all these different software integrations that you need to complete your suite, right? Which is primarily, you know, the mode of the industry right now is you have one main platform, which is your POS software. And then you have to rely on, you know, five to eight different other softwares just to come together so you can actually operate, right? So within Service you can get it all with your platform out the door.
0: Okay. So do you just like give them an off the shelf package or do you give them like a bespoke package? I mean, like, do you go on and like, I mean, like, so do they like, just buy it and just install it themselves or do you support them with like, you know, installation, servicing, adoption or integration to their business?
1: Yeah, most definitely. So um, we have an onboarding process, you know, that lasts about 60 days, um, which is, you know, 60 days is, 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 in our landscape is kind of more than enough time, but we want, you know, to make sure that everything is up and running, that there's no issues. I um, mean, then we have support on the back end as well as it can move forward. Um, so, you know, support and onboarding, you know, it's a big factor within our business. Um, you know, we want to make sure everything is going And You know, a lot of these shops and they can have thousands of inventory items, right? You know, that's that's a lot, you know, to, to really onboard. That's a lot to go through, especially if you're, you know, migrating software, right? You know, so that's something that, you know, we take a lot of pride in and, and support. Um, you know that we take a lot of pride in. If, if things do arrive, if there's any questions um, that come about on their back end as they continue to move forward within our platform, I got it. I
0: got it. I got it. So thinking about your business specifically, and uh, your, your business is growing rapidly. You as the founder, what 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 are some of the key metrics that you use to say to manage and monitor the growth of your business?
1: Yeah. So you know our 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 month over our monthly growth. Uh, that's huge within us, you know, how are we growing, you know, month over month, um, ROI, which is our return on investment, you know, how, how quickly are, you know, we turning over, um, you know, once a customer comes through, um, you know, something right now that we're trying to keep track of is, um, because we are new, uh, you know, we really want to understand it, it's, it's our LTV, which is our lifetime value of our customer.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you know that's something that we're keeping an eye on as we move forward, because we really want to be able to say, hey, you know, our customers, they stick around for two years. Right. Even though they're not on a two year agreement after their annual deal or, you know, on their month to month, they they renew. Right. They continue to renew. They continue to stay around year after year. Um, So that's a huge metric for us. Um, And also churn, which goes into the LTV. You know how we want to reduce, you know, we want to reduce the churn right right now. Our churn is extremely low. Um, You know, it's less than uh, two customers, um, which is really good. Right. So, you know, we continue to monitor our churn, you know, keep that keep that low as possible, um, which obviously, you know, keeps customers around, keeps customers um, paying on a reoccurring basis.
0: Sounds great. Man. So it sounds like you like, you know, your, your, your business intelligence is up there now. You obviously know what to monitor because I, I always say to people, well, unto myself, really, that it's better to retain a customer by keep adding value to them than to continuously going after new customers. You know what I mean? So that's really great there. So thinking about your, um, your financial journey, as you said, it sounds to me like you managed to raise some money, go into business, acquire capital, retain capital. I mean, what would you say is your biggest sort of, uh, you know, financial mistake or your business or your biggest mistake that you've done to date in business that, that actually that, that cost you financially? And why you think that happened?
1: Just within service conscious,
0: just um, as my journey. Ah, okay. You mean, oh, you, what do you mean? That has been a big... No, I'm, no, 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 I'm no, no, just, no, no. So, yeah, I mean, up until this point, up until this point, you know what okay. I mean? Yeah, I mean, what would you say has been your biggest business mistake that cost you financially? And thinking back, what should you have done differently? So if someone is listening to this, they think, ah, he made this mistake. I should avoid doing this right. in business. Yeah.
1: Um, I w- I would say yeah, it would happen within Service Ganja, right? Um, that was probably the biggest financial mistake, because uh, the the investment early on within development, uh, because the the development early was uh, all outsourced, right? And there was some uh, big issues, you know, within the outsourced development that we occurred or that we didn't, you know, that we didn't become aware of until after we had, you know, early customers. We had a lot of beta customers early on, and then we started uncovering all these different problems with the platform that set us back a few months after, you know, after early launch. Um, and it was a huge financial mistake, um, you know, for myself, you know, it cost me about $50,000, you know, out of pocket, um, yeah. you know, of that era, um, which at the time, like I said, that was, I was, my money was myself at the time. Um, so, you know, that was a huge hit to my pocket, but the, you know, the big lesson within that is, is um, you know, I had to really understand what's going on within the technology side of the business. Right. Um, you know, I've, I had, you know, I learned early on within product, you know, within some software development, um, but I just wasn't as hands-on as I needed to need to be. Um, So that was one lesson, you know, I really learned, um, you know, early within that process is is to be, you know, be hands-on. You know, don't just it's outsourced; they they handle it, and you know, you continue to move forward, Um, but you still have to be, um, you know, direct into everything that's doing, Um, and also, you know, not being, you know, not necessarily. I wouldn't say afraid, but accept the, you know, accept the information and the help that's presented. I mean, that was something that early on was, like, hey man, you know, I don't want, you know, it's still early. You know, I don't I don't know if this, you know, the help and different things are needed, um, but it definitely was, you know, it definitely was another set of eyes, another opinions are great. You know, the think tank early as early as possible um is gonna be beneficial. So that early misstep, you know, it costs us a couple months in business. You know, cost me a lot of money out of my pocket. Um, so, uh, you know, if you can avoid, you know, some of the outsourced—now, nah, I wouldn't say avoid outsourced development. If you can avoid some of those outsourced development issues, um, which is a visibility thing, um, then I would say, you know, really be hands-on and really be as diligent and as intentional and within
0: that development as possible. Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree. With you. Even from my own experience as a financial manager, financial cons- well, financial manager, investment oversight, I work for big companies in the UK that actually that actually outsource the operations, not 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 just software, they outsource the operations to another company, and they were a bit like hands off or eyes off, and it's like it cost them a lot, a lot. it cost them millions. So I think the right. key the key message here is that if you're gonna if you're gonna outsource make sure you have oversight of the outsource right. or, um, or make sure exactly. you have, make, make, make sure you have some insight into what the outsource company is doing. You know what I mean? So right. that, uh, and that does require, I guess, having some, you're building up your expertise, etc. because you may not even understand fully what they're doing. So then you have to um, build that up. Okay. And think, think, thinking back about, you know, your or thinking maybe today about your biggest financial success. Is it, would you say, In service ganja? And how would you relate that success to say risk versus return? By taking a big risk, you manage to get a particular return, whether it's service ganja or some other business that you've done. Um, Just talk to us about that. Yeah. I would say, you know,
1: my biggest financial success, you know, it's it's not necessarily a liquid asset, but it's where we're at right now within, you know, our our company's current ARR projections and our MRR, which is our our monthly. revenue and our annual recurring revenue. Um, You know, that's probably, that's our biggest, you know, to date, right? And as we continue to move forward, we're going to, you know, continue to, you know, set other biggest, but that risk versus reward, right? You know, we can go back to that particular example that I just explained was, hey, we had to almost redevelop the platform. And, you know, I lost X amount of dollars that, you know, we can say, okay, $50,000, I'm not a rich guy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, $50,000, that was a big hit. Um, You know, so it could have been, hey, man, look, um, we lost that money. All right. We failed. Right. And we're done because I can't spend another fifty thousand dollars or X amount of whatever it costs, you know, continue to move forward. Um, you know, that risk, you know, co- to continue to move forward and and just to kind of take it on the chin and, and just, you know, not skip a beat uh, is mm-hmm. worth the reward that we're that we're doing right now. Right. And as we continue yeah, well. to move forward and, you know, the future as we move, um, you know, I think that's the ultimate risk versus reward as, as I look back on it. Um, you know, just thinking about it now, I haven't really even thought about it much, but as I'm kind of formulating this thought, I'm like, wow, yeah. man, that's actually pretty remarkable um, that, you know, even, you know, within that point it was like, hey, man, I didn't really skip a beat, you know, it just kept moving. So, oh man, this is what happens. All right, let's go. You know, this is what we have to deal with. And, um, this is have to, why we have to move forward with it. Um, and I think that's kind of an ultimate, you know, ultimate entrepreneur mindset. You know, you just really have to take the errors that come about, um, because they will be there. Um, you just have to continue to move forward through
0: the storms. Well, it's amazing listening to your story. You know, it's, it's actually it's quite encouraging. You know, I, I talked to different people. I think I told you I interviewed around 20 people or so plus on this podcast. And you know, just hearing people talk about the journey, you know, that journey of having that kind of success mindset, you know, that failure fuels success. You know, I myself have actually implemented the same kind of mindset because. I've had stumbling blocks along the way and you, you have to just say, all right, it's a stumbling block. Get up, dust yourself down, move again. Especially if you set your mind or set your vision on that big goal. And it sounds right. to me, it sounds to me like you have a big goal. So talk to us about the vision of, um, of service ganja. I mean, right now, I mean, obviously, as you said, um, 20, you look into mad in gross, 3.5 million in monthly recurring revenue or in revenue, whatever the revenue goal. I mean, where do you see the business going in the next three to five years? How big do you see it getting?
1: Man, it's, um, yeah. man, you know, service ganja, man, you know, within the landscape where we're at, um, you know, within the market, um, you know, where we're positioned right now, you know, it's, it's one of those things, man, where I can throw out a number. But while probably be, it probably wouldn't be big enough, right? <laughs> um, just just based on you know the market, based on the projections, you know, based on where we're going, three to five years, you know, we're definitely um, you know can be a hundred million dollar company, you know, just based on our projections. Um, and sometimes you know it's some of those things, you know, it's, as an entrepreneur, just as a person, you know, you try not to throw out you know numbers
0: that of course, of course, I mean you're are, are, chat. are too
1: big or, or too realistic. Um, but, you know, I think about this all the time, you know, just within our space. I was actually telling a guy not too long ago, I was, hey, man, you know, I don't know if, if the numbers that we project within our market is even big enough. Right. Yeah. You know, within just the cannabis space in general, um, but even in the software space, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're big enough. Um, so three to five years, you know, definitely could be a one hundred million dollar company. Um, and then from there, you know, I definitely see I definitely see service going to, um, you know, we can get to a billion dollars. Of course, uh, you know, within within our market, within our strategy. Uh, I mean, I definitely feel that we can be a billion dollar business.
0: That makes sense. I mean, I, I guess eventually you might even you know do an IPO and list, you know, list your company and that kind of stuff. You know, if it gets if, if it gets really big. So if someone is listening to this and they want to get in contact with you, they wanted to know more about Service Ganja, I mean, where can they find you? How can they find you?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm a young guy, so I'm, I'm all over the social media on it. Um, you know, my Instagram, you know, is, is a Sean J Simon, um, uh, you know, Twitter, um, I think it's Sean underscore SG. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm all over the internet, you know, I'm kind of that social era. Uh, so I, I still like to communicate with the internet. Obviously you have servicegonza.com. Um, you know, you have our contact emails that are there as well. Um, but yeah, for sure. I'm always open, you know, I'm always open to speaking with, you know, other entrepreneurs i um, mean i was i was one of those people that was kind of on the outside looking in um you know for a long time right you know where it was you know it's not any connections within the industry right you know where you don't know anyone you know you just kind of come in it's like hey i wanna this is what i want to do um, but connections are, are are valuable extremely valuable of course um, valuable you know thing that comes about right is you know who, what type of connections can can you have that are genuine right so you know i'm always open you know to speak other entrepreneurs
0: within their journey. I agree, man. I mean, networking is really, really important in in business. You know, as you said, you know, having that kind of, uh, yeah, communication with other people who might be able to give you one tip, two tips, might be able to, I don't know, inspire you in your journey. So yes, so do get in touch uh, with Sean. Um, I believe that you do a bit of personal branding as well as, Service Ganja, am I correct? Because you said that you were on 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 Instagram. You are Sean J Simon, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, yeah. But then I guess you have Service Ganja as a kind of website. And do you see yourself as, as, as uh, or, or do you see you you branding Service Ganja more widely, so that Service Ganja become more a wholesale name?
1: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I, I want to be you know a brand name within the market. Uh, you know, with on the software side of the. Personal, I wouldn't say, you know, personal branding, you know, not necessarily, I mean, but it's something that could that come naturally, right? It's not, you know, I'm not not the the conference guy, you know, I'm not the one that's out on you know, doing the whole thing, but, you know, I much more, you know, rather plug the company, you know, and everyone, you know, see that the company brand, you know, versus, you know, my personal brand.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the reason I ask the question, because if you think of Tesla, right? Um, who comes to mind Elon Musk. you know must you know must comes to mind if you think of amazon you know someone comes to mind if you think of right you know you know so sometimes you know as your company gets bigger people want to know who is the person behind the brand you know and sometimes people relate you know the business brand with the with the founder's personality so I think there's that there is that twist there you know what I mean yeah yeah yeah. so that kind of makes sense so some of the standard questions I ask people on this podcast and I'll ask you as well. Um, I mean, what does a wealth mindset means to you? And how important is it, you think, I mean, a wealth mindset is to say, to start a business and scale a business, to say, uh, a multi-million business? You know, mindset is everything,
1: right? Uh, and I'm huge with mindset. Um, mindset is everything within business. It's everything within entrepreneurs. Um, you know, one, you have to have, even though, you know, you almost have to be, you know, a little, you have to think a little outside the box a little differently than everyone else. To go right, because there's much easier paths, right? You know, there's much easier ways to do different things. Yeah. Um, you know, so so mindset is everything. said, you know, through the things that are troubling, um, you know, the winding paths, the missteps, the errors that you make. Um, you know, focusing, you know, within, you know, even personal life that is going on, um, you know, still being able to focus um, and lead the business mindset. When you actually now it's it's more than just yourself. Now you actually are responsible for employees in their lives, right? Because they have families. That's a completely different, you know, thing that comes to mind, right? Um, You know, so mindset is everything. And being able to control that and having a strong mindset is going to be the thing that, you know, it separates, you know, the people that are are successful um, and, you know, the people that aren't or, you know,
0: the people that are pretending. Yeah, I got it, I got it. And specifically, as we're talking about, uh, of course, mindset is very important. I agree because I teach a business good program. And the first thing I teach people is that mindset, you know, growth mindset, think big, think bigger than what you're thinking now, you know what I mean? Um, right. because, because, because thinking small can actually sabotage us, you know. But, but going back to the mindset, I, I just want to get you a view specifically on that abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset or that wealth mindset versus a broke mindset. I mean, how has that helped you by having that kind of uh, think big mindset?
1: Yeah, so you know it's it's helped me a ton, right? Because you know even you know I can think back as far as you know as being just a kid. You know I'm from a small town, right? Yeah. Small town, it's not a lot of that are going on. So even you know from a kid to think, hey, you know I want to one day be have a big company in a big place. That that's thinking, you know, that's thinking much bigger than my current situation. Yeah, yeah. And and even we speak within business. You know, I just said, hey, we're going to be a billion dollar business. We're not a billion dollar business now exactly (laughs) we're not even a 100 million dollar business right
0: now exactly but
1: that is that is the mind frame right and beyond right we get to a billion maybe a trillion dollar you know whatever the case may be it has to be a goal you know there has to be a goal um that you need to get to and it has to be large um because mine is going is going to do to get to a million you may only get to a hundred thousand right of course of course I mean, to to I, I mean, end, the end of the
0: day, you know. I mean, I mean, I think I, I learned this from um from primary school. Seriously, one of my teachers never forget this in my whole life. I think her name, her name is Miss Franklin, you know, and she says, "aim for the sky," because if you miss if you miss the sky, you know, you might hit a treetop. Or, or a rooftop, right? You know I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't aim for the rooftop because if you miss that, you hit a ground, right? So you know, right, of, exactly. Of so you know, you saying what you're saying today. I mean, we 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 understand in, in the context, you know, if you get to a hundred million company, it's still a size, still a big company, right? So right, you know, what I mean, so you you know, you you put your aim high, man. You know, that's that's really great. And in terms of my my next almost like standard question, financial mindset, um. Uh, yeah, I mean, what is a financial mindset, or more specifically, what does it do, do? Financial intelligence. How important do you think financial intelligence is in running a successful business, or what we say? What does the word financial intelligence means to you? Um,
1: you know, financial intelligence is understanding. You know what, how to manage your money, how to move money, how to make that money grow. Um, yeah. You know, within business, um, and and business, right? Um, you know, you have the mindset to do it, but you have to have the financial intelligence to manage it, you know, for it to grow. Um, you know, what is what is the beat to look like, right? That's all financial intelligence. Um, so, you know, you, you, that tool is super important, um, you know, to be able to grow the business, you know, as you continue to move forward, whether it's month over month or whether it's day over day, um, not running out of capital. <laughs> you of, know, course, so, yeah, of course. Yeah, of um, course. And also, you know, understanding, you know, understanding what it takes, you know, how much, capital it takes, you know, to, to grow the business, you know, what the runway looks like. I'm um, also all these different terms that are important, are all finance terms. And, you know, if those, those are things that, um, you know, you're not aware of, or you're not, you know, particularly skilled on, you have to learn them. And that, that was part of when I was saying earlier within the, the earliest software company, you know, to go those, the financial intelligence, you know, side of it was something I was lacking. Um, you know, I just wasn't aware of it. Right. I wasn't um, you know, privy on that, on that side of it. So when I go back to say, Hey, that business failed, it didn't fail because of the mindset, right? Because I would say probably the mindset was even more, you know, high strung back then, right? It failed because I didn't understand the financial intelligence side of the business, right? I didn't understand, you know, the capital. I didn't understand raising money. I didn't understand managing money, right? And I didn't understand how to, what to do with, you know, an amount of money, right? You know, $50,000 at that time was well I've never seen fifty thousand dollars, right? You know, so it's all those different things, you know, that um, you know, that that we talk about, you know, let alone, you know, talking about millions of dollars now, right? Um, you know, that, you know, being able, you know, being intelligent enough within that um, you know, that subject matter is is super important, you know, moving forward.
0: Yeah. So if you was gonna advise someone to say, right, you know, um how to become financially intelligent from 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 your experience um how did you build up your financial intelligence would you say it's from mostly experience, or would you say it's from um uh, modeling others or would you say yeah how did you become financially intelligent
1: for for myself for myself it was experience right because i'm i'm big on experience but for others it may be different um you know it may be they may be able to you know open up a book and go through it and, and you know this is chapter one this is chapter two <laughs> chapter three and they retain it and it'd be super uh, you know, excellent or super, you know, smart within that subject matter, but for myself, it's, it ha- it's, it's experience, right? You know, it's, okay, this is what it needs to do, and I research it on the back end, right? I have to understand what it is and what it does, the why behind it, um, and then I will, you know, learn it and apply it. Um, so, you know, you have, whereas you can go in in and, you know, be a top tier subject matter on that. But for myself, it was all experience.
0: Experience, yeah. Experience is always the best teacher, man. So Sean, so as we look to wind up, I, I was going to ask you this question. I, I, I don't think I've asked much people this question on this podcast. But I was going to ask you, like thinking about your, you know, your morning routine. I mean, have you got a morning routine? Are you someone who just wakes up, boom, out of bed? or you someone who, yeah, just talk to us about your morning routine, if you have one.
1: Yeah, so I have a morning routine. Uh, but it's kind of weird. I'm kind of a, a quirky guy because I don't like <laughs> to doing the same things over and over, yeah, right? Yeah. But I, I do have, um, you know, one thing that I try to do consistently um, is one. I'm an early riser, um, but I wake up early in the morning to work out, right? That's yeah, something yeah. That I, I can't not miss yeah. uh, because it, it kickstarts my body. And like I said, you know, being a athlete, you know, former athlete growing up, um, you know, just it kickstarts my body get you know get going and moving forward. Uh, you know, my wife, she had said something the other day because I had missed a workout. Um, she was like, you need to don't ever miss a workout again. You know, you're grumpy when you miss a workout, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's something that I try to do, you know, consistently, um, you know, every day. I would say that's probably the only routine that I have specifically. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of weird within that matter because I don't like the same things over and over and over again. I like
0: to keep things, I got it, uh, you know, got kind it. of moving around. I got it. And what sport did you play, if I may ask, just as we come to wind up yeah. Um, football, it's American Foot- football, American football. Cool, cool, cool. So you're still passionate about the, about the sport and do you still play or are you just mainly on, uh, on the sidelines now?
1: No, um, you know, it's, 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 funny cause I actually, um, I don't do much or I don't do much around. I don't watch it much. You know, I don't really, you know, do too much around it. A lot of my friends, you know, I had a lot of friends that played, you know, a lot of them play professionally, you know, some, a lot of them coach. Um, and it's funny when we all have, have conversations. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, what happened? You know, I ain't even watched the season. You know, they start talking about different things, and, and I'm completely out of the loop, right? I'm completely out of the loop within it. Um, you know, I still, you know, would catch certain things, you know, like my college, you know, they will play, like they have a game that's, that's today, and uh, actually they play at 11 here not too too long from now. But I'm completely out of the loop on a lot of different things that are going on within the sport. Um, you know, there's other things, you know, that goes on, you know, within my life right now, so.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's because actually, service ganja consumes you. If I, if, if I want to call it, that, or, or the business consumes you. So look, um, um Sean, it's been a um, a heartfelt pleasure speaking with you. Um, um, I'm going to put a podcast out um next week. Um, do send me a couple paragraphs about you. You know, like your bio, and then uh, we take it from there. I think I think someone is actually calling me up by gate. So that's kind of why I'm kind of oh, like, okay. like um, hustling <laughs> it up. But um, yeah, yeah, but. but but, but do send me a couple of paragraphs and we take it um, from there. Yep. Yeah. And um, so I'll talk to you very soon. So thanks for coming on. It's been, it's been a heartfelt pleasure and I will speak to you very soon. Take care now. Thanks, Royce. Uh, Have me on. Take care. Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find out more about me by Googling my name, Royston Cumberbatch. I'm on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find me on YouTube as Roy Camberbatch. And if you are listening on YouTube, please hit that uh, subscribe button or you can find me on my website at www.racmac.com. That's R-A-C-M-A-C-S.com. It'd be great to hear from you and do feel free to tell me about any topics you want me to cover on future episodes. Until next time, be good to yourself and others. Keep positive and reaching for your financial goals. Bye-bye.